Bringing you the latest case law updates on the legal aspects of law enforcement. This is Broadcast Blue. In this LEA 1 case study, we're going to take a look at the Supreme Court decision in Torres versus Madrid. And this case was decided on March 25th, 2021. The facts in this case are fairly straightforward. New Mexico State Police Officers Madrid and Williamson went to an apartment complex in Albuquerque, New Mexico in order to execute an arrest warrant on a woman. And when they got there, they spotted uh, an individual uh, turned out to be Torres, along with another person. Neither one of them were the ones who were subject to the warrant. Uh, they spotted them uh, standing near a Toyota FJ Cruiser. So Torres goes to get into the driver's seat of this Toyota FJ and her companion, whoever she is, departed. The officers walked up and attempted to speak to Torres. And at the time, Torres was going through a methamphetamine withdrawal, and she thought the officers were carjackers notwithstanding the fact they had on you know, identification uh, clothing and identification that identified them as police officers. It, nevertheless, uh, she hit the gas and tried to escape. At this point, uh, the officers fired their service weapons at her um, in order to stop her. They fired 13 times, and two of the bullets actually struck Torres, um, but she managed to escape in the Toyota, and she drove away. Uh, she parked in a, a, a lot not too far away um, from where she had escaped there, and she stole a Kia Soul. She gets into a car that's running, uh, and this Kia Soul had the keys in it and was running. It was unlocked. She got in it, and she she drove off in the Kia Soul, and she drove 75 miles to another town, uh, Grants, New Mexico, which is 75 miles away from Albuquerque. Um, she went to a hospital, and they saw the types of uh, injuries that she had. They airlifted her back to a hospital in Albuquerque where they could take care of her, but uh, the, the police arrested her there uh, the very next day. So those are the facts that we have going in uh, to this decision and to this case. So Torres was charged. She was charged with aggravated fleeing from a law enforcement officer, assault on a peace officer, and unlawfully taking a motor vehicle. And she pled no contest uh, to these criminal charges. But then Torres sued the officer. She sought damages and compensation under Section 1983 of Title 42 of the United States Code, the, the 1983 lawsuits for the, where you can sue a state act or someone un operating under the color of state law for the depriving you of a federally protected right, in this particular case, her Fourth Amendment right. She claimed uh, that the officers had used excessive force against her in, um, in, in making this unreasonable seizure. Uh, so she's claiming that she was seized when, when they fired at her and shot at her, that she was seized and that shooting her was unreasonable and therefore the seizure was unreasonable under the Fourth Amendment, which is what she's got to allege in order to have a claim here under Section 1983. So the Tenth Circuit, the, the district court granted summary judgment uh, to the officers claiming and the Tenth Circuit uh, uh, agreed and, and they upheld that uh, that grant by the district court of summary judgment and the 10th circuit held that a suspect's continued flight 
after being shot by police negates a Fourth Amendment excessive force claim. In other words, what they're saying was she was she wasn't seized, and so the Fourth Amendment didn't apply since since she she was able to elude the police once she was shot. Um, she didn't. She never yielded, and she was actually able to escape. And so she was never seized. Yeah, they they shot at her, but she wasn't seized under the Fourth Amendment because um, they weren't able to to effectuate the arrest, uh, and therefore um, there was no Fourth Amendment violation since there was no seizure, and therefore the case couldn't stand and granted summary judgment to the officers. So that's where we were at um, all the way through the Tenth Circuit. So Torres files uh, for a writ uh, certiorari with the Supreme Court, asking the Supreme Court to hear this case, and, and it was granted. And the Supreme Court agreed to hear the case. And the issue on appeal is whether the application of physical force is a seizure if the force, despite hitting its target, fails to stop the person. So that's the issue. That's the question the Supreme Court has to answer. Okay, before I talk about what the court decided in this case, let me give you just a, a brief background on the law. You know, what constitutes a search or a seizure um, obviously is important for Fourth Amendment analyses because if it's not a search or a seizure under the Fourth Amendment, then the Fourth Amendment doesn't apply. And of course, in this case, we're talking about seizures, what constitutes a seizure. You know, we've had some cases over the last uh, 10 years or so, we've had a number of cases talking about the concept of what constitutes a search and and the, in the wake of the decision back in 2012 the United States versus Jones with that physical touching an object being a search that this whole concept of the physical touch becoming really important in the area of of what constitutes a search under the Fourth Amendment. But the law regarding seizures has uh, been fairly static. We hadn't had a whole lot of big, big cases, um, but but this one certainly is is a, a big case. And it also it also kind of also kind of parallels a little bit anyway, Jones, with the concept of this physical touching constituting a Fourth Amendment event. Why is it important if whether or not the Fourth Amendment applies? Because if the Fourth Amendment applies, if it is a seizure under the Fourth Amendment, then it has to be reasonable under the Fourth Amendment. If it's not a seizure, if a person hasn't been seized, then the Fourth Amendment uh, t just simply isn't at play. This the the case. There's a, a case from back in uh, 1991. Uh, Justice Scalia announced the decision in that case. California versus Hadari D takes us back to uh, the Supreme Court decision in 1991, and that case is quoted a lot in this decision by the court and because that was a a very important case for you know determining defining for fourth amendment purposes what constitutes the seizure of a person right you can you can seize the government can seize a person a place are a thing, right? And the, the rules are a little bit different regarding what it is that you're seizing. The most complicated for when you're seizing a person. And uh, and the court had a case, uh, had occasion to visit that, that question in the Hadari D case back in 1991, but it was different. There are two ways um, in order for a seizure to take place under the Fourth Amendment, right? There's a, there is a show of authority, and the person has to yield to that show of authority in order for there to be a seizure. So that, and that was the situation we had in Hadari D back when the police officers in Oakland, California, chased the juvenile down the, the alleyway 
um, and the Supreme Court, you know, had to make a determination was was he seized prior to being physically touched while he was running away from the officers? Was he seized? And the court said no, because um, although there had been a show of authority by the police, uh, there would they have not yielded to that authority. So in the same vein, when a police car pulls up behind a cruiser, pulls up behind a car and turns on their lights, right? That's a demand that they yield. That's a demand a command, if you will, that they pull over, right? That's a show of authority. But they are not seized until they actually yield to that authority. And that's what Hadari D stood for. That was the proposition in Hadari D, and that's what the case was all about. But they also mentioned the second way for there to be a seizure. And the second way for there to be a seizure was through the application of force, right? And however slight, um, a simple this is a simple touching uh, through this this application of force um, a person could be seized and so the, the the facts that we have in front of us in in the Torres case is not the same um, it's it's a different it's the different part of that equation right Hadari D with the show of authority but in this case we're talking about the actual application of force and and the court's going to have to determine whether or not this the, the the bullet hitting the person was the application of force that's required in order to have a seizure under the Fourth Amendment. And the lower court had held, um, the Tenth Circuit had held that this was not a seizure under the Fourth Amendment. I want to take just to make a little bit of just a note of interest here for those of you that have listened to the Broadcast Blue or Search and Seizure podcast or received the Blue Flash newsletter, you might recall there were some facts that were very, very similar to this. I actually did a podcast episode on a different case a few years back out of New Mexico, the Farrell versus Montoya case where they shot at the car, right? Uh, much like the car was shot at here in New Mexico. But uh, the difference being in Farrell, uh, the Farrell versus Montoya case was that none of the bullets it's hit, so there was no physical force that was applied, and um, and since and, and since uh, Miss Farrell had had driven off at the point in time she was not yielding to the authority, um, the court, the Tenth Circuit said that that was not uh, there was no seizure at that point. So uh, another just very similar facts in the in the same state. The only difference is uh, the bullets missed in Farrell, but they found their mark um, here. In the, in the Torres case, unfortunately, two rounds uh, penetrated uh, her shoulder and, and she was hit. So um, that's the question. This is where we're at, kind of setting up the law. You know, is this a seizure under the Fourth Amendment? The lower court said, no, it is not. And now the Supreme Court has to answer that question. The United States Supreme Court vacated the Tenth Circuit decision and held that the application of physical force to the body of a person with intent to restrain is a seizure even if the force does not succeed in subduing the person. In this case, the officers had seized Torres by shooting her with the intent to restrain her movement, and the case was remanded to the lower court to determine reasonableness and resolve issues of damages and whether or not qualified immunity would apply. This is what I call a blue key case, and I've referred to the blue key cases as Supreme Court decisions that have a significant impact upon law enforcement, and this one certainly uh, fits the bill for that. So there are some key points of this decision 
for your immediate consideration by law enforcement officers nationwide. And it's important for me to, to put those forward to you here. Now, you can read through the 45, 46 pages of this decision, and the lawyers and the legal scholars will undoubtedly spend hours and hours and hours gleaning through the arguments that were presented and that were made. Um, but what's important for law enforcement is the actual takeaway. You know, what, is, what do law enforcement officers have from this decision that they need to take away? And I want to synopsize those points for you, those key points for you quickly here. Uh, point number one, the mere physical touch of a person by the bullet uh, is what constitutes an arrest. And therefore, there's a Fourth Amendment seizure the moment the bullet touches the person. So um, the, the physical touch of the bullet um, is, is what does it. The, and, and that leads me to point number two. The bullet hitting the person is an arrest, not an attempted arrest. That's actually a, an arrest at the moment the bullet hits, um, according to the court in this decision. Number three, a seizure by force lasts only as long as the application of force. The, the court noted that the Fourth Amendment does not recognize any continuing arrest during the period of fugitivity. Um, the arrest is momentary, and if the person eludes capture, they're no longer under arrest. But the court noted brief seizures are seizures all the same, and the seizure is a single act and not a continuous fact. And they quoting the Hadardi D case when they said that. So the seizure by force lasts only as long as the application of force, and in this case is just as long, I mean, the, as long as the bullet hit. And again, remember there are two, this is point number four, there are two methods of effectuating arrest, application of force, and show of authority. And the Hadari D case was all about show of authority. And that law is unchanged. You have to have the show of authority and then the yield uh, to the authority. But this decision concerns the application of force. Point number five is that the force can be applied from a distance. It doesn't have to be made with the hand. It can be applied from a distance as with a bullet. Point number six the seizure, for it to be a seizure, it requires this physical touch, a use of force, with the intent to restrain. The court noted that not every physical contact between a government employee and a member of the public will be a Fourth Amendment seizure. Accidental force will not qualify. The, the force applied has to be intentional and it has to be combined with the intent to restrain. Which leads to point number seven. Uh, the appropriate inquiry is whether the challenge conduct objectively manifests the intent to restrain, not a subjective motiva motivation on the part of the officer. So it's an objective test. Whether or not um, there is this intent to restrain is an objective test um, that's going to be determined uh, under a totality of the circumstances and the facts of the case. And that leads directly to point number eight. The amount of force that's used is pertinent in assessing the objective intent or restrain. So what type of force they use, right? Shooting someone with a, a, a firearm, using a bullet, um, certainly sends uh, an objective that shows that demonstrates there's an objective intent to restrain. But uh, con compare that with a tap on the shoulder. The court said a tap on the shoulder to get one's attention will rarely exhibit such an intent. Uh, so um, it has to be the, the, the touching has to be combined with this ob objective intent to restrain. Furthermore, and point number nine, the seizure does not depend on the subjective beliefs of the person being seized. So it doesn't matter what the person 
who's being seized um, subjectively believes. Again, it's an objective test on what the officer's intent was, the intent to restrain. And point number 10, uh, unlike a seizure by force, a seizure by acquisition of control involves either voluntary submission um, to a show of authority or the termination of the freedom of movement. So here I want to contrast this with uh, with this in, this physical use of force, a seizure by force is different uh, than what we had in the Hadari D, which was a seizure by acquisition of control, and that requires a voluntary submission, but not a seizure by force. That's not a requirement in a seizure by force. So this is a a very very important Supreme Court decision. Um, um, and it's it's important for you to understand. Uh, now we have this definition of what constitutes a seizure. It's important for you to to update um, your materials of what the legal aspects of use of force and officer liability, um, and the whole concept of what constitutes a seizure under the Fourth Amendment. Again, it's a Fourth Amendment issue um, because use of force was made a Fourth Amendment issue uh, way back in the Graham versus Connor decision, but understanding also that the use of force Fourth Amendment decisions uh, are deal with officer liability and um, do not have any impact, are not invoked for the purposes of the exclusionary rule. But it's it's important for you as a police officer personally, uh, because you've got some personal liability now here. Um, we at least exposure to liability because these actions um, are deemed to be a seizure, which means the Fourth Amendment applies, um, which means the seizure has to be reasonable, which means the use of force has to be reasonable. Um, and, and that's why this case was remanded and for the lower courts to make those determinations of reasonableness and the applicability of qualified immunity. So there you have it. Torres versus Madrid, one of the, the more important um, Fourth Amendment and use of force cases to come out in this term of the Supreme Court. This presentation is provided for purely academic purposes. I'm fond of saying I'm a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer. And what I mean by that is that I do not provide formal legal advice through these presentations. No part of this presentation is offered, nor should it be construed as legal advice. If you need formal legal advice regarding any part of this presentation or have legal questions, you should consult with your attorney.